All right, we're in 1 Kings tonight. I invite you to take your Bible and open there. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 7 will be our text. We look at the life of Elijah, the Tishbite. And as we look at the life of Elijah, we must take note of the times in which he lived. Elijah, if you want a sermon in a sentence, I would put it this way tonight. The Lord, who is, by the way, the the consummate multitask Uh, oriented, uh, multitasker, (laughs) let me say it that way, the consummate multitasker is the Lord. Uh, The Lord uses ordinary means during times of spiritual ruin in order to preserve a remnant. Uh, The Lord is doing more than uh, one thing in this uh, life of Elijah. He is working on those who oppose him, and he is working on Elijah himself. So we'll read the text, and then we've got uh, some scriptures uh, from, well, one from the Pentateuch, one from the New Testament I want to bring to bear on the subject tonight. Let's begin there in verse 1. Now, Elijah the Tishbite who was of the settlers of Gilead. So he is, uh, I like to call him a prophet from nowhere (laughs) because that's where uh, Tishba or Gilead, it's out there. This Elijah said to Ahab, now there's a lot here we don't know. How does he gain entrance into the palace to speak to Ahab? Well, the Lord prepared the way, and here he is, Elijah. And he's speaking to the king of Israel. And he says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years. Except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So, He went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up 
because there was no rain in the land. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, this um, study into the life of Elijah uh, and the times in which he lived. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, grow in our understanding of your ways, of your thoughts, of your will for our lives. Uh, We thank you for the word. We thank you for the fellowship that we share. Now, bless this time, Lord. I I sense that we, uh, as we sang this morning, we need you every hour. And we need you now, Lord, uh, to help us uh, to understand the scriptures. And we give you the praise for all that you're going to do in our hearts. We give you glory and honor. We are mindful, Lord, of those who are hurting, um, those who are carrying burdens. We are mindful of those who are rejoicing at this time. We would ask, Lord, that you meet every need. I'm thinking of uh, Francis tonight, thinking of Pearl tonight. Lord, would you... Just extend your abundant grace to them. Lord, would you extend your healing hand in their lives? And Lord, would you encourage their hearts tonight? Uh, We thank you for your work and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, there's a couple things here uh, that we want to take a look at tonight. So let's, uh, let's just start with the times in which the people lived. Deuteronomy 11, verses 16 and 17. We don't mind taking the time to turn there and find in our place in the Bible and looking at God's word to the people of Israel, his word concerning their allegiance to him. The people were to worship God and worship God alone. Over in Deuteronomy 11 and verses 16 through 17, we have an admonition. We have a command from the Lord We'll read it there in verse 16. Beware that your hearts are not deceived and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them. That's about as clear as can be. That's the Lord's word to them. Verse 17. Or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the ground will not yield its fruit and you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is given you. Now, the command is clear and... 
the judgment of God that is promised here, if they violate this command, is equally clear. There is nothing here to misunderstand. I'm so thrilled that our God is a speaking God and he gives us the information we need to know. He gave it to these people then, back then and there. And um, we're going to we're going to find out that they did not live up to that command. They did not keep God first. Now, let's go over here to James, the book of James. There's a couple things that are unsaid in that first verse of 1 Kings 17. And the gospel writer, James, uh, gives us information that is not contained in that first verse of chapter 17 in 1 Kings. So we'll look at this in verse 17. We have a verse talking about Elijah. The Bible says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That's interesting. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. So when he said, there's not going to be any rain, Ahab, for uh, years, he was speaking truth to power. So there was no rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then, verse 18, he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, we go back to verse uh, seven, verse 1 of chapter 17, and we have a declaration by Elijah. He's declaring to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. We're not really told here at all that Elijah prayed but praying is in the backdrop of this story. I want us to put prayer in with this declaration from Elijah. That Elijah is a prophet and Elijah is a man of prayer. We've said he's a prophet from nowhere. He's a prophet from the outskirts. He's, he's not... Um, he's not among a lot of people. He's a prophet that is used to solitude. And God has touched his heart. God has raised him up. Whatever language you'd like to use there, God has made him a prophet. Uh, and he stands before Ahab and he makes this declaration. By the way, this is, this is not a promise that he's making. It is a divine oracle of God. It is, an, it is an oath that he makes uh, before Ahab. And it is unequivocal. It is categorical. 
it is right on the money and he brings this with great confidence. Now, the reason why, why would God raise him up at this time to speak to Ahab? Well, it was because of what we read in Deuteronomy. God had commanded the people, you are not to engage in idolatry. You're to worship the Lord God and worship him alone. But the people had swerved off of the path of righteousness or to use the prophet's language off of the highway of holiness. Right up there in chapter 16, you can read it. We don't have to know the name of the king. You can read it right there in verse 32. So he erected an altar for Baal. In the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So there, there you have it. This spiritual ruin, this spiritual decadence had reached a peak in the mind of God. Now, let's... Let's get something straight. I, you and I both know the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Sin's been around since the fall. And I've heard, I've heard references to that. Yeah, and that is true. But can we all admit that there are times in history where sin reaches its peak, that it reaches another level that has not been known in a particular society heretofore. I mean, I think, I think that's what some of us feel in our day. Yeah, nobody's going to argue. Sin's been around. We, we've lived in, in and among a wicked and perverse generation for years and years. That's, that goes back. But there is a, a defiance. There is an attitude that is out there that, that I haven't recognized in a long time. There is a lawlessness. There is a waywardness. There is an in-your-face attitude that you can... You can almost feel. Nobody has to say anything. And by the way, they say stuff. I mean, hey, listen, I was in the, I was in the checkout line the other night. I'm not going to mention the establishment, but it's one of the grocery stores in town, so that narrows it down. But, I mean, just the, just the conversation between the person helping me and another person. And I was like... I don't even want to be in this line. I don't even want to be here because this is, what is this? This is, this is absurd. I can't remember a time that I would even, that people would even, you know, they would, they might have that attitude. They might have these thoughts, but they're not going to be out there. Blah, 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 sir. Yeah, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I know how you are doing and I know how you're doing. And it's not too good, is it? I mean, it's just a different, it's a different level. We see that in the scripture. We see it right here. Now, yeah, evil had, had gone on and on and on and on. But here, 
Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So I think in God's mind, in his estimation, there's a time that he says, okay, no more of that. And what does he do? He raises up an ordinary fella. Now, we know how important Elijah is, and he's important. In fact, let's, uh, let's look at a few scriptures. We've got time. Uh, Matthew eleven 14. We'll just stay in the gospel of Matthew, and we'll just get an idea of how important, how, uh, what an impact this prophet of God made on the minds or in the minds of the people of the Jews, the, the Hebrews. Matthew eleven 14. We'll read that. Matthew 11. Let's see here. 14. And this is, uh, Jesus is, is giving a tribute to John the Baptist. And right in the middle of that, he says, and if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. That's interesting. Now, here's, a, here's a, an interesting note. We're not going to go down this trail right now. But there are so many similarities between Elijah and John the Baptist. I mean, you think about it. Both rough-hewn. Both, you know, just, I would consider, in-your-face prophets of God. I mean, they just speak the Word of God. You know, you've got John the Baptist eating locusts and wild honey. He's got locust legs sticking out of his mouth and honey dripping down his, his beard and his, his clo- clothing. I mean, it's got, you know, he's just rough-hewn. And Elijah was like that. Same, same type of character. And then think of their, their nemesis. You know, think of how John the Baptist, how he died. He died because of a woman's wish. And then think about Elijah and what he came up against. Hmm. It's, it's all there. Well, enough of that. Let's go to 16, chapter 16, verse 14. So Jesus is asking, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And he's speaking directly to his disciples. And verse 14, they said, some say, John the Baptist. And others, there he is, Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. The point is, Elijah comes up again in discussion. Over in chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Transfiguration. This is a beautiful time in the life of Jesus where he takes Peter and James and John, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, verse 1. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish. I will make you three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Uh, The point is, Elijah comes up again. And then one more reference over in chapter 27 and verse 47.
here at the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. The account here that Matthew gives us. We'll read verse 46 and 47. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there when they heard it began saying, This man is calling for Elijah. So there he, he pops up again in the discussion. So we're back to verse 1, chapter 17, 1 Kings. We're talking about the times in which Elijah the Tishbite was raised up to speak to Ahab. And Elijah is calling. <laughs> He's, he is basically saying, Ahab, judgment has come. Listen, no rain means no crops. No rain means no farm animals. No rain, especially in this part of the world, means things are going to die and eventually human beings are going to be affected. He is calling down judgment on Ahab, on Israel. And his confidence is in the Lord. There it is, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives. And sure enough, he lives. So as he is saying it, as he is declaring it, as sure as God lives, this is going to take place. And certainly, our God is alive. Then he says, before whom I stand. So Elijah sees himself as a servant of the Lord. Here's an ordinary man. He's got a passion, his passion, his nature is a like nature with ours. And the Bible says he prayed and God answered his prayer. And here it is. He is a servant in his mind, in his heart, as God has raised him up. Elijah is a servant of the Lord. God is my Lord is what his name means. And he is serving the Lord in this uh, position, I would say, as a prophet. In this calling is better as a prophet. He says, surely there shall be neither dew, no, no dew. That's exceptional. I mean, not even, not even some dew on the grass. No, no dew, no rain these years, except by my word. And this is an oath. Uh, this is a, this is, this is going to take place. It's not conditional. It's, he's not asking, he's not commanding Ahab to repent. Although, you would think, he would. I mean, before the prophet of God? I mean, why wouldn't Ahab hit, hit the ground and, and, and fall to his knees? And why wouldn't he ask the Lord for a reprieve? Why wouldn't he speak to Elijah and say, you know, we're, we, we can't have that. We'll, we'll tear down these altars to Baal and, and we'll tear down these temples to Asherah. We'll stop the idolatry. This is serious business, but that's not anywhere on Ahab's radar. 
Not at all. It's interesting. The, the times are definitely interesting in the life of Elijah is. Verse 2, the word of the Lord came to him. Hmm, I wonder what the Lord's going to say. He says this, go away from here. <laughs> go away from here and turn eastward. And there it is, hide yourself. Now that tells us of the severity of what he has just pronounced to Ahab. Uh, it also takes into account the attitude of Ahab and Jezebel toward the prophets. They're not friendly toward God's prophets. There were God's prophets in those days. Elijah wasn't the only one, but they were persecuting the prophets of God. Not only were they promoting idolatry, but they were persecuting the prophets. And so with that in mind, God told Elijah to get out of there, say your peace and leave, turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. So this is Transjordan, this is east, this is back to solitude, back to the country. Uh, back really, I think, in the direction from which he had come. And he is to be by the brook Cherith. So with um, the persecution of the prophets in mind, God is telling Elijah, go hide yourself. Go to Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. A couple things there in verses 3 and 4. God is uh, protecting Elijah. God is providing for Elijah. Those two things. God's, God is committed to Elijah. Is he a perfect human being? No, he's got a nature like ours. And we'll see this as his life unfolds. Uh, he can become fearful. He can run. Uh, he, he does not always present himself perfectly, yet he was Elijah and he was called by God in a time of spiritual ruin to speak for God, to speak uh, words of judgment on a society, on a king, and on his people who would not honor God. And then God, at the same time, works on Elijah and works to preserve a remnant. It is such a beautiful picture. So the Lord is uh, protecting and the Lord is providing. Uh, it's, it is neat. How he provides. Did you notice that? He says, uh, I have, the Lord says, I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. And I love this next part. Verse five. So he went. You know, he, he obeyed. He, he's not, uh, he's not negotiating a deal. Well, can we, you know, take over the palace just, uh, just now? Can we stay? No, You're, you you got to go. This is, uh, we're, it, it, you're stirring up the, the hornet's nest. 
and you need to leave. Nothing wrong with obeying God there, right? And he, he, and he went, and he did, according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith. Now, Cherith means to cut back. And um, so we associate the place with what God is doing with his man, Elijah. It is interesting that in verse 1, we're introduced to him as Elijah the Tishbite. Later on, see if I can recall the verse. He is called a man of God by the woman, by the widow. There in verse 24. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. So, At the same time that God is judging the idolatry of the nation, God is working on Elijah. He is refining him. He is helping him. And he does this at Cherith. Elijah has to, he's depending on God. God just told him ravens are going to feed him. What? Ravens are going to, ravens are going to bring me food? An, uh, first of all, an unclean bird is going to bring me food. Yep. Trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. If you're going to stand before the king in the palace and declare the word of God, you're going to trust that same God by the brook Cherith. And you're going to trust him. And this is what God does in all our lives. He is refining us. He is helping us. But wait, it gets worse. It gets worse. And and it's interesting how and why it gets worse. Look at this. So he did, uh, verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And uh, and there it is, verse 6, the ravens. What do you think they were doing? They're busy finding food for this prophet of God. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the brook. My, my, my. How was that? Three and a half years? I don't know. I don't know if he lasted the whole three and a half years. I'm pretty sure he didn't. No, because what? Verse 7 is very interesting. It happened after a while. So he was there a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So really, in answer to his prayer, the consequences of the answer to his prayer is that the brook that was helping him to survive dried up. I wonder how often that happens in our lives. We're in answer to our prayer. God, here's a dangerous prayer. Lord, make me more like Jesus. Okay. I'll be more like Jesus. Okay. So your brook dries up. Has your brook ever dried up? Oh, it was going so good. It tasted so good for a while. And then it dries up. And you know what's beautiful about this? 
God doesn't tell Elijah from the outset the whole plan. He tells him one word at a time. You know, you get, you get the word, you get, you know, all of a sudden you get Elijah in the palace. And then you get the word of the Lord came to him there in verse 2. And then in verse 8, the word of the Lord came to him again. And we're really glad it came to him again because what? His brook dried up. Lord, I mean, the ravens may have brought him some meat and bread, but how are you going to wash that down? You got to have water to live on. So his brook dried up. And God, listen, he will do that. He will allow that in your life so that you learn to trust him. For the next step, the next season. That's the way God works. We don't talk about it much, right? Because we're Westerners and we're used to having it just all right there. But God will dry your brook up to grow you up. And we need to, we need to keep that in our mind. Keep that in our mentality. The Lord will, well, if you ever had a, have you ever had a friendship that dried up? You ever had a job that dried up? Do you ever have a just a wonderful season of of life that was there and it was good and then it was gone? What's the Lord teaching you? He's teaching you to trust him and to trust him for the next step. As you strength as as your strength ever dried up? Have, uh, have, y'all, have you ever been all out of answers? <laughs> you ever been, have you ever been around somebody that had all the answers? Well, you wish they'd be out of a few at least. But God will dry all that up. So what? You see him and you trust him for the next season. And then what do you find out? It's not the end. When whatever it is that you were enjoying for the time, when that dries up, it's not the end. It wasn't the end for Elijah. The word, then the word of the Lord came again. Then the word of the Lord came again. God, listen, your brook, it will dry up, but God doesn't dry up. We serve the living God who loves his people and he will do what he has to do in order to preserve your faith, in order to preserve a remnant in the world. And our confidence should be uh, in that living God. I think that's what Elijah is going to learn is, yeah, My God's alive and my God's committed to me and my God is committed to my spiritual well-being. And he is committed to my physical well-being. One day our strength and our our health will dry up. Who are you going to trust? You know, we we continue to talk about, you know, these folks that, that wish for a long life. Okay. It's not easy. You get that? It's not easy. But God will provide. God will protect. God will be there and he will lead. So we, um, 
You know, I commit this, uh, these seven verses to you tonight, and uh, it just gets better. And then the Lord just does things like, you think, well, the ravens were feeding Elijah. I wonder how this is going to work next. Well, there's a Zarephath. Zarephath? <laughs> he gets to go to Zarephath. And then, and then he learns God has a plan and God works it out and God's not going to leave his own, his children out here begging bread. He won't do it. He will provide. So we give God praise tonight. And I think that will do it. Father in heaven, thank you uh, for the life of Elijah. Thank you for the lessons learned through your word. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.